This is the 397th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons beat reporter for the AJC. And today we're going to hear from General Manager Terry Fontenot and Camp Coach Arthur Smith as they uh, help us get prepared for the NFL Draft that will be held Thursday through Saturday in Kansas City. We'll be here with them in Flowery Branch. And after their pick in the first round on Friday night, they'll come down and we'll hear from them again. Then on Saturday, they'll go through their other picks uh, on Friday and Saturday. So, also, in addition to the draft in this episode, we're going to be talking to Bud Dupree and Jeff Facunda, new Falcons who were signed in free agency in, in Dupree's case and traded for in Jeff's case, the cornerback who was the number three overall pick in the 2020 draft. So, we got a lot for you here today. Then we're going to go over that mock draft here uh, to help you all get ready. And maybe we'll start a B. John Robinson chant along the way. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here, and we're going to hear from Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. But first, we're going to review our poll we put up. The uh, final mock draft for our Sunday's edition went in, and we had the Falcons taking Lucas Van Ness. Well, the unpopular pick, the Iowa defensive end, uh, in our Twitter poll that we put out and let it run for three days, had 38 comments and 1,625 votes. You all want Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. If he's the best player available, that's who they're going to take. The second pick was Nolan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia, and uh, at 37%. And then Peter Skaronsky at 17%, and Lucas Van Ness at 7%. So the fans want the shiny object, the running back. Uh, you know, and we'll go over some of their options at the end here. Uh, you know, this is uh, our draft. Uh, Mock assumed that Jalen Carter was going to Seattle at five or um, Detroit at six. Now, uh, I did a mock with the Chicago guys from uh, NBC, 
and he was still available. So what would the Falcons do if Jalen Carter's available? C.J. Stroud's supposed to be slipping. What's going to happen if a quarterback gets to him at eight? Will they trade out of there and, and, and mass picks, or will they take the quarterback? So we've got a lot of drama this week leading up to the draft and a lot of, um, a lot of issues uh, that the Falcons will be facing, a lot of issues that the players are dealing with too. So on Thursday night, you all will tune in for that drama, I'm sure. But before we get to Thursday night, let's hear from General Manager Terry Fontenot on the strategy of taking the best player available. So we talk about best player available a lot, right? And I think what gets lost is really a few things with that. When you talk about best player available, there's not a the draft board. I think we're supposed to bring it in, but um, somebody yeah, didn't want to. But <laughs> So the draft board isn't just one line of players and you're taking who else, the person that's on the top of it, right? So players are in categories. So generally when you're on the clock, you have players in a category, and but there's multiple positions can be in that particular category. When we say best player available, the key is don't reach for need. If you have players up in this category, don't reach down and take a lesser player at a position of need because number one, we're not, again, we're not drafting just for today or tomorrow. We're not prisoners of the moment. We're drafting for, you're gonna have these players under contract for the next four to five years. So, and your needs change day to day. It, 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 you know, so we want to make sure that we're thinking long-term and big picture. And um, it, it's always, we're not prisoners of the moment in that sense. So when we say best player available, the other thing is it's our board, right? Every board, you probably look at 32 different boards and they're all different. And on TV, you have certain boards, but they don't have all the information in terms of, they're not sitting in the medical meetings or the background meetings or, so it's um, when we say best player available, we're talking about thinking long-term and not reaching for knees and just making the total team better. All right, the Falcons, uh, they do have uh, several picks in the draft. Uh, they're going to be picking eighth overall. Of course, everybody knows that. Second round picks 44th. Third round pick 75th. The fourth round pick is uh the first one from Tennessee is 110. That's part of the Julio Jones trade. Their pick is number 113. So you got five picks in the top 113 of the draft, three in the top 75. And Terry Fontenot said he wants to find impactful players. In the seventh round, you have 224 from Vegas. That's part of that Brian Edwards trade. And 225. Now, one question I forgot to ask on my little sheet here. You can add Janu Smith or Janu Smith, tight end, and Jeff Akunda to this draft class as they traded a seventh for, for Janu and a fifth for Akunda. So uh, you can remember to add those two veterans, and if they're able to play and make the team, you can – uh, realize that they used up some of the draft capital to get those two individuals. Now let's hear from Terry Fontenot on uh, how confident he is that they can find players all over the draft at those positions we just read to you. And I know I always answer that question the same way in that, and I really do believe this, throughout the draft, it's you can find players anywhere. And I just have a lot of confidence in our staff and our coaches. And, and I really believe that we're going to find players 
at at any point in this draft that can that can help this football team. Um, and we have to have a clear vision for, for exactly how we're going to use them. Because um, I would say the difference for us is we are excited about the players we've added thus far. And we better make sure that the players we bring in are going to have an opportunity to make the team. Um, and the players here, I know they're working to make sure those guys don't make the team. So it, it, it's going to be really competitive as you look at the depth chart and where we are. So I think you can find impact players at any point, have a lot of confidence in our staff and, and the way we operate and the way we work. Um, but it's going to be a challenge for anyone um, to come in and really compete to find a spot. It's a lot of activity up front. Uh, you know, after the combine, we were thinking, you know, you kind of had the top four picks set. Kind of felt, um, you know, it was either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, then Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. Uh, then, you know, then uh, you know maybe even Jalen Carter was number one. But um, – through the pre-draft process, this situation has been jumbled. Uh, you know about the situation at the University of Georgia with the speeding and the two deaths of um, Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willicks. Uh, uh, and Jalen Carter was uh, racing her side by side at over 100 miles an hour. So um, that was the issue, the minors, the misdemeanor charges, and then the workout. So a lot of red flags uh, that's jumbling up the top uh, picks in front of the um, Falcons. Then later on uh, in the draft process, we found out that C.J. Stroud had a really low cognitive test score, according to our good friend Bob McGinn, who's writing for Go Long TD, Tyler Dunn's uh, base subscription website. And uh, uh, he had a couple executives tell him that, Stroud had a 18% on that S2 cognitive test. So, um, you know, the last time I remember a really low score uh, on a cognitive test was uh, Vince Young with a nine. I believe that was. And, you know, Brett Favre, you don't have to be Einstein to play in the NFL. Brett Favre had a 13 on the Wonderlick. So, but a lot of teams go by these, and uh, the Falcons just said this is just part of the process. But that's what has jumbled things in front of the Falcons. They have no idea what everybody's going to do, and they're going to have to be ready to go at eight, or they might get calls to trade back, or they might get they might have to go up and get their guy if their guy uh, is uh, you know within striking distance. So here is Terry Fontenot on the uncertainty of the first seven picks. I would say, in my opinion, this is the most uncertain it's been, in my opinion, because you really just don't know, and, and we do. We sit there, we try to game it out and think about what we'd expect or what we'd anticipate, but there's just too many things. There's a lot of things that you can't predict. You don't really know what another team is thinking, regardless of what's out there. You don't really know what another team's thinking. You don't know when someone's going to trade up and how that affects other things if someone's going to trade up and someone's going to trade back. So it's, it is difficult, but what we just have to do is make sure we really talk through as many different scenarios as we can so we're comfortable and ready to, to, to make a move when we need to. But what we're excited about is, again, whether we're moving up, moving down, or staying at eight, we're going to get a really good player uh, that's going to make an impact for us. Now, also, the Falcons, uh, you know, I think their ideal, their prime situation here, uh, because there's a, a plateau, uh, I think, after six, and then the players from pretty much seven to 
15 or so are about the same thing. And uh, you can fall back and maybe pick up a third-round pick. So they're going to be taking calls. And uh, he said they already been in contact with some teams. Here's what he said about the teams that they have been in contact with about trading down. We've already, and we'll continue to do that uh, over the next several couple days, And but we have. We've already talked to a few teams after us because we want to be open, and we've talked to teams in front of us, and we've talked to teams behind us so far. We'll continue to have those conversations because we want to be flexible. Like Arthur said, we game it out, and we talk through all the different scenarios, and it's our job just to be prepared for whatever happens. So we talk through all the different ways. and. Um, but, yes, we've had those conversations already, and we'll continue to have those conversations, whether we're talking about in front of us or behind us. Falcons coach Arthur Smith was also on hand today, and he uh, discussed how many draft simulations they do before Thursday. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got different processes. You know, the scouts go through it. You go through a turn. I talk all the time. I mean, there's so many variables that can happen in front of you where you pick. You try to have a good understanding, more importantly, of who's realistically going to be there especially at eight, you know, ready to make the pick. Again, there, who knows what will really happen Thursday night, but then you got to be ready also to be able to, to move as well, and you're okay with moving depending on what you're getting. So we're, we're always constantly going through that, but, you know, we don't put that little jingle on there and you know, have everybody act like a team. I know some teams do that where they try to mock the whole thing out, or, or you guys do on your – which is great. But the reality is, you know, we try to game through that, and we're talking all the time about our right, player X is here. What do you want to do? He may be in our pod. Well, somebody may trade up. Somebody may take him unexpectedly or, or vice versa. So we're always trying to work through that constantly. All right, and y'all know here at the Bowtie Chronicles, we've been a proponent of the best player available for years. We've uh, gone over some of the situations where – when you pick for need, it doesn't uh, really work out for you. Another big key issue here is Jalen Carter. How far do you drop him over uh, some issues? And a couple historical drops were Warren Sapp and um, Randy Moss. And those were involved of alleged marijuana use. Uh, and uh, caused them to drop a little bit and land into great teams and end up both ended up in Canton wearing yellow jackets. Now, there's also the case of 2016 when Laramie Tunsil uh, found out today he was in the building with the Tennessee Titans ready to be drafted number one overall. But then that video came out on social media of uh, him smoking uh, uh, look like a gas mask and just a real smoke fest going on there and caused him to drop 13. So it's a lot of bizarre stuff that goes on this last little week leading up to the draft. And you have to really know about who the best player available is versus your needs. And here's what Terry Fontenot had to say about needs versus best player available after making that first round pick. So, yep, so it, it won't – so your board is basically set where it is, right? But I think what it does do is is you make decisions – well, you, you can make a decision. Um, it's a domino effect, right? So, so wherever you take a player, whoever you take, then you can decide, okay, do we want to move back at this next pick? Do we want to move up? And you look at a particular position, and you can say this position is a little thin, and so we need to move up to get a player there. Because, again, when we're on the clock, we're not going to reach. 
we want to take the best players off the board. So it could affect you. Whatever you do, it's going to affect you moving around, I guess, in a sense. Because we're never going to be um, – look, we might not make a single trade in this draft or we might make four. You know, we don't see ourselves as a team that's ever going to just sit on our hands. If we see a player that we want, we want to try to figure out where to get it. And each pick, whether we're talking about the first pick or the pick in the third round, it's going to affect that next move. Now we know that the Falcons, uh, you know, have made it very clear that they want football players with the right makeup and of good character. Uh, so, um, you know, we wanted to know if there were a lot of those players available to him in this draft. Oh, man, there's some good young men in this draft. Yeah, really good. And, and obviously that's, you know, appreciate the question because that, that is really important to us. And if you look at uh, the players that we've signed thus far, there's a lot of really good men that we've added. We believe we have really strong character and, and a really strong foundation um, and a really strong culture. And we believe we've added to that this offseason. We want to continue to add to it in the draft. But, but there's a lot of really good options um, in this draft, again, top to bottom, some really good men. Yeah, I do like that. I think, you know, it's, it should be exciting, and we won't get to coach them all. But there's some very impressive, impressive people we've talked to, you know, for talking about the future and the health of, of our sport. Uh, it's inspiring when you go, it's easy to be cynical now. You go on, you know, people can complain about the rules or this has changed, or, you know, you don't get to do five a days like you used to. And so you look around and uh, you know, the league's in, in a good in the spot, the type of character of some of the players coming in this league and very, very impressive. Well, all right, we're going to take a break here. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, we're back here from the uh, break. The Bowtie Chronicles, episode 397. We just want to welcome you back to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to again thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you haven't joined our community yet, we have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC.com, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. So take advantage of this offer. Go to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast. 
so you will always know what's really going on. All right, we got to uh, talk with Bud Dupree here today. Bud uh, was signed, uh, looked up his contract, $2.49 million of it guaranteed to push the uh, numbers up on the um, Falcons are pretty much at $180 million in guaranteed payouts this year. And uh, Bud got a, got a little cut of it there. He had a big contract with Tennessee. Didn't like uh, free agency at all, he told me today. But, uh, you know, Bud from Wilkinson County down in Macon uh, will come on and help the Falcons out at outside linebacker. He has 46.5 sacks on his career. Started with the Steelers and played for the Titans. So here's what Bud Dupree, who's set to go into his ninth season in the NFL. Here's what he said on being a free agent and choosing the Falcons. Oh, well, I'm going to be real. Being a free agent was not good because I didn't want to get released. But, uh, you know, man, things happen. Um, no injuries occurred. Um, uh, it was a, it's a, it was a step behind me now. So, you know, overcame that, man. Went through a little tough time. Went through a little tough right with injuries, man. And, uh, you know, one late after another, uh, had to overcome that and you know, just get on my best ability with my body. But, uh, you know, Falcons, the opportunity with the Falcons presented itself and it, you know, come, came at a better time, you know, um, this point in my career, you know, um, being being close to home, um, working here with the opportunity to work with a program that's developing and, and trying to go out and win. We met Bud this summer at A.J. Terrell's cornerback uh, camp, so I uh, just mentioned that to him today. But uh, he says he likes to, you know, if players around the state are having something, he's going to pull up. He thinks that's, uh, uh, you know, it's just part of being from Georgia and uh, living in Atlanta uh, in the offseason. Here's what Bud had to say on where he fits in on the defense. Uh, fitting the defense, you know, just how I normally is. Uh, edge rusher, run stopper on the end. Um, being able to come in there right away with some experience, uh, a better mentality, you know, toughness, and, uh, you know, just do my best I can do to, to make as many plays as I can. And here's what Bud, I feel like calling an old, uh, older, uh, well, he's not an old man, but 29, 30-year-old Bud, <laughs> it reminds me of the old old TV show. His real name is Alvin. <laughs> so Alvin Bud Dupree. He knows some of the teammates, and we wanted to know how that would work out for him as he knows he's coming to a team where he knows some of the teammates like A.J. Terrell. Yeah, man, those boys, you know, from from everyone in Georgia kind of like knows about each other, knows about um, how we were raised and everything of that nature. Um, try to, me personally, I try to uh, touch as many players as I can. So if they got a camp, I'm going to try to pull up. If they got any events of that nature, I want to be able to come along because, you know, it just makes it that much better as a, as a you know, as a, for the community, for football, not just for the Falcons, but for the NFL in general. Now, one of the issues with uh, Alvin Bud Dupree is he's coming off of injuries. He said that he had uh, a torn pec late last season. He's 100% now. That was after uh, hip flexors on both sides. Uh, so you hope that, that he's not breaking down and, and can still get back out there and play. Uh, and then uh, Bud said he had not been healthy since the 220 season. So, um, you know, they got to get him healthy, get him to return to um, elite athletic ability, and he should be able to help him out there. But uh, here's what Bud had to say about the last time he felt 100%. 
I would say 2019. That's the that's the full season that I played. Well, uh, 2020. That's the full season I well I tore my ACL that year. But still, you know, just leading up into that, leading up into that, man, it was a it was a great opportunity. I felt the same way now, being able to being able to do the things I was doing. You know, like you said, ACL injury is a tremendous, uh, is is tremendous, and it 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 affects you mentally, you know, spiritually, everything, man. You have to question yourself about a lot of things. So, you know, over that hump, ready to move forward. All right, that's uh, good stuff there from Bud. He was a uh, knockout in the interview session today. We really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, Jeff Akundra was next. He was a little bit uptight. Uh, he'll get better. Uh, but, you know, room full of new people. You know, he was, uh, he, uh, you know, he'll have to get comfortable in that setting with us. He'd been used to being with one team and, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll just work with that as we move forward. But he was the number three overall pick the same year the Falcons got A.J. Terrell. You know, Ohio State and Clemson were battling the playoffs back then, so they know each other from, from those uh, battles. But here's what Jeff Acunda had to say on how he felt after getting traded. Uh, I would say um, a little bittersweet from the standpoint of the relationships that you form uh, playing for a team for three years. But I was definitely excited about the opportunity to have a fresh start here in Atlanta and uh, kind of new opportunity to wipe the slate clean. One of the big stories with uh, Kunda is he's been injury prone since he's been in the league with the Lions. Uh, last year he played, uh, he played most games. He said last year was really kind of felt like a rookie at times because he didn't get to play so much uh, as a rookie. And uh, I think he had a Achilles in that first game and uh, then came back next year and played about four or five games and had another season engine injury. And then last year played and, uh, uh, you know, uh, got on the field for a little bit more extended time. We got that all that information in the uh, story on AJC.com. So here's what Jeff had to say on last year and how and, and how and why it felt like his rookie season. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. I, I say last year, even though it was my third year in the NFL, in a lot of ways it felt like my rookie year because that was the most football that I played probably in two years. You know, my first year I probably played seven to ten games. Second year played one game. So in a lot of ways just playing that much football, there was a lot of new things. Um, when you're away from the game for a while, kind of takes some time to get back into it. But I was able to sit down this off season and take all those lessons I learned, apply them now, and I'm hoping to see a huge growth. Well, he's part of the overhaul on the defensive side, whether he likes it or not. Uh, maybe they draft Christian Gonzalez at seven. We don't know. But um, they clearly are going to try to save this young man's career. And uh, one of the people in charge of that will be longtime defensive back coach Jerry Gray. He's coming over from the Packers. And uh, also his position coach is Steve Jackson. But we uh, they've only been working together a couple weeks. Uh, but it's off to a good start. Here's what Akunda had to say about working with coach Jerry Gray. The best way I can describe it is enlightening. Just learning from someone like Coach Gray. Um, been meeting with him a lot, learning the game, giving him me a lot of pointers so far, and I've only been here for two weeks. So um, I'm, I'm going to do my part in doing, learning the most I can from him. Uh, someone that's been coaching for as long as he's been coaching, I think he has a lot of game to give out.
That's uh, Jeff Akunda talking about Jerry Gray and calling that being an enlightening experience thus far. So good luck for him. Uh, Falcons gave up a fifth-round pick, a fifth-round pick for a player who was the third overall pick in the draft. If uh, they can um, get him, get him in the right system, get the, the uh, teachings down, he can learn from uh, Coach Gray. They might be able to uh, help him reset his career and maybe turn him into a national football league big-time player like they uh, thought he was going to be when he was coming out of the Ohio State University. So, hey, let's get ready here uh, for the draft. I... I mean, I know I did, I did, well, I had to do my mock draft. That was four of those. I did the um, LA Times beat reporter draft with uh, with Sam uh, Farmer. Did uh, Jeff Hobson's um, draft with the Bengals. Uh, did the NBC Chicago draft. I think I picked four different people. So I'm going to have one of them right. <laughs> the, uh, I went with Bijan with the Cincinnati Bengals draft because I, you know, Skaronsky, I think I went, um, of course, of Lucas Van Ness and our draft here on AJC.com. But, you know, the board drops differently, you know, when you got different people doing it. So, but you can kind of get at some of the flashpoints from talking to the people all around the country. Uh, I do have a quote in the one story uh, that's out there today. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. Uh, but my guy, one of my guys from a uh, team official from uh, AFC team told me that, hey, I think they're going defense. It's either Tyree Wilson or Nolan Smith. Then he came back and said, if I was them, I would take Bijan. So, um, you know, that's what people are saying about the Falcons. Everybody's thinking defense. But um, Nolan Smith at eight seems a little rich. Uh, Tyree Wilson's not going to get to him. And Van Ness is the depth guy that, that Terry Fontenot's talking about. If you got premium guys on the board, you don't take a guy. It's just going to be your depth behind all the defensive ends they've already drafted and outside linebackers. They just signed a free agency. So, I mean, but you got to think about the long term. If Calais Campbell's on a one-year contract, Van Ness learns from Campbell, takes over the next year. So, you know, it's a lot of different – there's pros and cons to a lot of the, the selections – but let's go over the top 10 on how we have it. And then I'm thinking about how it would change it. Uh, if, you know, where the, where at least the uh, flashpoints are for, um, you know, some changes. You know, you're hearing stuff today about Will Levis going to one. I'm not buying that. I'm staying with Bryce Young. Will Anderson, you're hearing uh, Tyrese jumping over him. It doesn't matter. The next guy will go to Arizona. So that's and then the it'll draft will start at four with the Colts. Will they take Will Levis, or will that or you know they think hey I they would might say hey I saw C.J. Stroud in that forty two to, to forty one game against Georgia, if you know if I'm the scout I saw that game and he looked fine to me, uh, but eighty and I'm like he threw eighty five touchdown passes. So I'm the Colts I'm taking him. But, um, you know, I don't dismiss the cognitive test thing. And I also, um, you know, I knew I thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be a player 
And he threw 50 touchdown passes in the Ohio State offense. So they got an offense that works for the quarterbacks uh, but doesn't necessarily translate into the NFL or hasn't. And uh, in McGinn's story, he talked about how the Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done anything and that Mike Tomzak might have been the best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. And uh, I was talking to Cunningham yesterday. I was like, well, yeah, that might be right. Uh, and he didn't even mention Kent Graham. Uh, I, I covered Kent. Uh, him and Kurt Herbstreet were quarterback 1A and 1B back in the days. And they had Joey Galloway and uh, current uh, Ohio State receiver coach Brian Stablon. So, I mean, the Ohio State quarterback thing is real. You know, going back to 12-gauge, Troy Smith, uh, Pryor, got moved to wide receiver. Uh, so, so there are some flags. But I saw him. I saw him up close. I saw him. Um, you know, do it, do a good job, a great job against Georgia. Marvin Harrison doesn't get knocked out. They maybe win that game. So we're going to stay with Stroud at four, and we're going to figure, hey, we can teach him, you know, even if the the cognitive thing is real. You, you, people, uh, some people learn different ways. Five, Jalen Carter, that just makes sense. And if he doesn't go there, you know, then he'll go to Detroit at six. And now another scenario is a Stroud, the Colts go Levis, then you got Seattle taking Stroud and, you know, pairing him with Geno Smith, and then he's got a buddy to learn from uh, if that is indeed a problem. But let's just stay with them. And if Jalen Carter gets past the Lions, then you got the Falcons sitting there, and maybe they take a trade with the Eagles. Because, you know, the character makeup thing, he doesn't fit. So that's what we got here. We're up to six. If it stays the way we got it, then Detroit's going to go Devin Weatherspoon, cornerback uh, Illinois. The Raiders would go Paris Johnson, Jr., OT, Ohio State. Gonzalez could also go there, too. And so then under this scenario, you're sitting at eight. You got you got uh, Van Ness, Garonsky, Broderick Jones in that pod group that uh, Fontenot's talk about. Gonzalez is in that group too. So does somebody have to come up and get him? And in our mock, I gave Van Ness. You know, you can give him Nolan uh, Smith. Skaronsky would be good. The fans are gonna go nuts if they take a guard. And then Broderick Jones, that might be a little high for him. And then I got B. John dipping all the way down to um, Dallas or somebody, uh, Dallas or Buffalo, something uh, uh, in the early 20s. So, because, you know, the devaluation of the running back. But if he's as good as everybody says he is and he's a top five talent, uh, he would be the best player on the board here, according to, you know, some folks. And, you know, could be in play the way uh, Terry Fontenot described, hey, we want premium guys, we want impactful guys. Can't be at number eight and just be taking some depth guy. So Lucas Van Ness, unless you see an upside there, uh, he didn't have a lot of sacks. He played inside at tackle and in. A uh, younger guy went to went three years and left. Most of Iowa guys stay. So, but you would um, – Ryan Nelson would have to see like he's Trey Hendrickson or something, or he's the next Cam Jordan for them to take him. But he's he uh, his profile is uh, one that 
Let me see if I got it here. No, I put it in another story. But he was won the Mr. Hustle Award. So, uh, you know, that's all well and good. But you don't really need Mr. Hustle. You need Mr. Sackmaster at eight if you're going to do that. So I'm trashing my own mock draft at this point. And uh, <laughs> that means the draft is close. So there we have it. That's our top ten. We're ready for the draft. You can go to AJC.com to find our uh, position-by-position series, series, uh, 10-part series on all the top players at every position, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, And we also have uh, videos in there for most of the top players from either their pro day or their uh, combine media situation. So – the Falcons, uh, Arthur Smith, he seemed to be in a good mood for for the most part today. He he really don't, you know, he's not trying to give up too much, but he was in a pretty pretty good mood today. So was Terry. Uh, I think they, um, you know, they got to keep their heads on the swivel because, like I said, all kind of strange stuff happened in these last forty eight hours leading up to the draft. Uh, you know, and they, I think they were being truthful when they said they don't know what's going to happen in the front seven picks because they don't. And um, uh, we don't either. So, you know, usually you can get to 9, 10, and 11 before you start whiffing. I mean, you know, most mock drafts I'm in years past, I've been money to like about 12 or 13, 10 of 11, 12 or 13. Uh, this year I'm kind of, you know, learning my sights on, hey, if I get 5 out of 10. Uh, you know, it's a couple different ways to count mocks too. You want direct hits. That's the gold standard. Or you just want, hey, my guy went in the first round. So, you know, 22, 23, I usually get up, up there. I want to have a really good year. It's 27, 28. Uh, and then I'm in that huddle report group. I haven't scored well in there in a couple years. Uh, my buddy Bob McGinn used to win that thing. Uh, ben uh, Standick, he's, I think he's at the Athletic in uh, Washington now. Commander's guy, he's a good mocker. Uh, but, yeah, it's a lot of guys out there doing mocks. It's proliferated now. It's a whole bunch. But uh, I think about 30 or 50 guys will be in this uh, huddle report one. Uh, and then they'll have people with their top 100 and top 50 boards and all that. And, you know, all the Twitter Twitterverse GMs are in there, too, some of them. So uh, it's always fun to see those grades and going to be um, going to be a little fun to to you know, have a draft with this much mystery going into the first night. So with that, hey, we're going to um, thank you for listening again. We're going to ask you to have a great week and come back Thursday night after the draft. We'll have a special uh, episode of the Bowtie Chronicles going over what happens to the Atlanta Falcons on the first day of the NFL draft. So with that, take care and have a great rest of your week. Come back Thursday night. Might be in the a.m., but we'll be here with you for a special episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.